being more resistant to bullshit than the average person. It never worked for me. Hello and welcome to episode 117 of Grumpy Old Benz for Monday, December 7th, 2020. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where there were 40 shot and six killed this weekend. And from America's left coast where people are dying, but it's only a problem if they're dying from COVID. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Everybody's dying from COVID. If you notice, there are no flu patients in the hospitals. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure all those people who got shot in Chicago are probably dying from COVID right now. COVID has killed the flu. Yeah, <laughs> well, we did. We did that story already uh, a couple weeks ago where the CDC has canceled flu season. They're saying we're we're not t- keeping flu stats anymore because they're just we're we're not. There is no flu this year. I think you're right because it can't run side by side for some reason and yes omega project in the troll room available at noagendastream.com when we do these shows live on monday and friday at noon eastern points out that for the uh, the shooters in chicago six dead out of 40 shot not a good ratio so the i mean really if you're gonna at least shoot people maybe get better at it i isn't that what the police training is for the police training is for to for weapon handling getting better at, at hitting what you're aiming i don't know I'm, i don't think i'm that. speculating here i don't know who's shooting who <laughs> i imagine that there are cops involved they, they well usually not in chicago because the cops don't want to be oh. anywhere near the neighborhoods where this oh, is going see, around here if somebody's getting shot it's almost always a cop involved see no that's different we we I mean we're very much more libertarian here in uh, the chicago area we don't like to include the government in a lot of this stuff well, um, I, 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 I can get behind that. I don't like to improve, include the government in anything. Well, yeah, you're, you're right. That, that improves things. And eventually, you know, you would think the violence, you, there would just be a, uh, a self-cleaning problem. But it seems like it just keeps going on and on and on. But so I have to start with some vanity. From, uh, so you're building a vanity? No, I'm, I'm just a vain person. You know this. Uh, I I had a couple of, of no agenda social posts completely blow up and uh, I, I have to read them on the air because uh, yeah, I really just can't get enough exposure, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you can get enough exposure, which is why we make you wear the robe. <laughs> it's a cat right now. Um, no, I, I, I had a I reacted yesterday. I did too many people. It. This is the kind of thing you see on Facebook and Reddit every 30 fucking seconds, which is probably one of the main reasons I don't go there. But you get people who appeal to they, they do an appeal to emotion and the appeal usually goes something like this. So I know somebody whose family member died after they got a positive covid test and and, you know, it, it could happen to anyone. So everyone just please wear your face diaper and, and submit to the authoritarian lockdowns because 
if you just give up all your freedoms, we can get through all of this together. And my response is no. Um, I'm sorry about your friend. Uh, it, it, but everybody dies. It's, it's a tragedy, but it's also an inevitable tragedy. Um, I, I, it, I just, I see this posted all the time and you absolutely have my sympathy that your loved one is sick. It's, it's terrible. And I, I'm sorry about it, but that is not a sufficient reason to give up any Liberty. And with all due respect by asking, you're being very selfish. So, um, I just, you know, PSA out there, whenever somebody tries that emotional manipulation bullshit on you, you just say you offer all the sympathy you can because it's it's awful when somebody's loved one dies. But no, I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to give up my autonomy. I'm not going to put on a face diaper. I'm not going to to cower in place at home just because your mom's brother-in-law's ex-girlfriend happened to get a false positive and then die in a car crash or whatever that it, it dying happens all the time. It's not optional, but living is optional and, and living without freedom is no life at all. So I just have to, uh, it's a little bit of a rant. Well, and you're pushing it a little in the way of saying that they get a false positive and then die of a car crash. Cause there are people that are getting, the virus well, there are people who and, are getting yeah, uh, but, legitimate I mean, positives and dying too yes and but the point but, is there a lot of these people have worn masks all the time and the problem is you're dealing with people who have no logic or no understanding of science so trying to argue with them is kind of like trying to argue with uh well, i was gonna say your cat but your cats are probably smarter uh it's trying to argue yeah, my cats with, listen to me with an inanimate object they because don't agree with anything i say but they listen you just go look at the statistics and people have put these out for every country where it's like, you know, and for every state, it seems where there's the big arrow pointing to here's the day masks were mandated. And then you see the hockey stick go up. So it's like, wait a minute. I still don't understand. It is worse now than it was when this started. And we know we missed the start of this. We now believe it was started like November of December of last year. When everybody was going about their normal lives, nobody was wearing masks. So the last season of this didn't get as bad, allegedly, as it is now when everybody's wearing masks. Explain that to me, because that was something that doesn't make sense, because nobody doing anything was better, it seems, than everybody taking all of these precautions. And I'm not saying you shouldn't take precautions, but the masks, I think are the worst thing in the world because they give people a false sense of security that then think they can go about their normal lives and do things because, Hey, I'm wearing a mask. I'm going to be safe. It's doing nothing for you. It's no, doing- no, nobody's going about their normal lives. They're all like going through this shell of a, a, a weak life that, that isn't anything remotely looking like normal, but they feel like it's the best thing they can possibly accomplish because what else are you going to do when, when your boots are always loose? Cause you're shaking in them constantly. But there are people that are still going about their normal life, not in your area, I guess not in California. Now. I mean, geez, you see the measures that they've gone to in California. Now, 33 million people locked down was the headline. And I'm like, oh, I've heard that number before 33, but there are some areas of the country where people are still relatively going about their daily business. There are some places where indoor dining is still open and all of that. 
not here in the Chicago area, obviously not in the Seattle area. So I know we're a yeah. little bit you know, biased when it comes to this. But California is, again, the place I would point to and go, look, when this whole thing started, that whole San Francisco Bay Area went into major paranoid lockdown mode. And they had way less evidence then. So I'll give them a little bit more leeway for that. But the reality is all of a sudden stuff there is getting horrible. So how did that happen? Everybody's doing what they're supposed to. And the virus is spreading like, oh, there's nothing you can do to stop the spread, huh? You you can have a tiny bit of leeway for making a decision without evidence. It would be better to get evidence before you make the decision. But of course, you know, that that doesn't work with the the politician syllogism, which is a we you, you've heard about this one. We have to do something. This right. is something. So we have to do this. That's it, it's absolutely false every single time. But the the when you have somebody who is more afraid of being seen to do nothing than being seen to do the wrong thing that's what you get but there is absolutely no leeway given for the people who have been presented with evidence that what they're doing is wrong and out of sheer bullheaded pride refuse to admit any kind of wrongness or change and just charging ahead and that's what every single one of these mask mandates and lockdowns feel like there is ample evidence everywhere now that lockdowns don't work. They only damage the economy. They destroy people's lives. They push millions of people into poverty and they don't affect the virus in the least. And yet we're still doing that same thing with masks. Yeah. And that doesn't make sense, but it comes from the top. I mean, not from Donald Trump. It comes from the new top, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and Anthony Fauci. Wait, that's, that's not the top either. The, the top is, <laughs> is the you. billionaires who are the ones giving the money. Well, yes. I mean, and you know, if, if you're talking about Biden, the top is almost certain. Whoever it is, it's certainly in China. Well, did you see? I mean, now that it seems like he's so close to getting what he wants in the world. Did you see that George Soros named a new head of his foundation? And the guy that's it is the, not. that he is uh, named was a guy from uh, Smartmatic. <laughs> I mean, can you can you Gosh. actually even make this stuff up anymore? So a guy yes. that was running one yes. of these voting machine things. Now Soros is like, thank you very much. Here is a billion dollar job for you. I, I can make this stuff up. I've written stories where nepotism was a major plot point before. Yeah. And we wonder what really happened in the election. Well, we don't wonder what happened in the election. I, I, I don't really wonder. It's pretty obvious. <laughs> it is. It is. And ju it's just the only amazing thing is that we have a bunch of journalists. And this is, you know, to me, if you believe in the whole concept that there are, you know, billions of similar universes out there, we just got stuck with the one where the the journalist turned into brain dead mush people that follow the uh the narrative of the crazy side because it, you know when you put it that way it sounds like the plot to a horror movie it, it kind of is <laughs> you know we just this is like because otherwise nobody really understands i think the power that the media has and the media is taking on a whole different uh term now it means a whole different thing than it did when our parents were kids and growing up because the media was basically a few people on television and that wrote for major newspapers the the amount of media that there was then was just a small percentage of what we have now which is what 
ended up causing the problem. And that we've talked about the whole issue in the past, which is, well, now that everybody more or less can be a journalist, it stopped from being we should really care about investigative journalism. And it just turned to who could get a story first rather than being accurate. And when you start using that model too, everything quickly goes downhill because that's where all the fake news comes in and nobody really cares. Nobody ever. I mean, again, back in the day, even when we were kids and definitely when our parents were growing up, if a major newspaper, you know, like the Washington Post, New York Times, whatever, if they printed something that was proven to be wrong, it was a big deal. They had to do a retraction and print it. When's the last time you saw a major newspaper print a retraction? I, it's been years for me. I don't know. I did. The NYT may have accidentally said something nice about Trump once that would print a retraction for that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. We didn't mean to uh, say he wasn't Hitler. We will uh, we will refrain from not saying that in the future. In fact, didn't that happen? I yeah, I don't remember the details because it wasn't that important to me at the time. But wasn't it, uh, you know, about the time of the impeachment when uh, the NYT, there was a huge scandal where one of the editors it might not have been NYT, it might have been WAPO or one of the other. They're they're all the same. Um, but one of the big editors had to resign because they ended up printing an op ed from an independent op-ed that it was, you know, it was the, you know, they don't even do work at these places anymore. They just virtue signal and, and print anti-Trump shit these days. And they had brought in an op-ed from someone who was not entirely on board. And one of the editors had to resign. I might be imagining this, but I feel like it was an article, a story about 10 months ago. Yeah. That kind of sounds accurate. And it would make sense because the narrative needs to be pushed. And a lot of people aren't paying a whole lot of attention to Project Veritas's latest thing because it's not as, you know, it's not as sexy. It's not as crazy as like when they had Planned Parenthood selling baby parts and stuff. But the tapes of the CNN morning briefings should worry people even more because when your news media is steering the news, you've already got a problem. The news media should be go find the stories. And report upon them. The people at the top of the news media, that should be what they're telling everybody that works for them. Go find important stories and report them. Not, oh, you got a story that says uh, Biden's kid was with 14-year-old hookers in China? No, no, bury that. You know, that, that didn't used to happen. I mean, I'm sure at the highest levels I, there was some <laughs> of it, but overall well, there were yeah, journalists. But you have to be careful with that consideration because uh, you, do you you put in one word there, uh, calling them important stories. And that right there is the gigantic crack with in, into which bias gets wedged in every form of journalism everywhere is, uh, I mean, if you go back before 2016, when made major media outlets just started spewing blatant falsehoods without even bothering to cover it up before that, the way journalism was done was they would generally report very accurately on a carefully selected set of stories. And it was the selection process of deciding which stories to choose was where the bias crept in. So it, it's not enough to just say you have to report on important stories it, because I guess if, if you are the kind of person for whom um, nothing else matters, not ethics, not the laws or constitution, just getting rid of the orange man. 
then it's very, very important that you not run a story about Hunter Biden. It's an interesting thing because you would have thought when the Internet came out, it was going to be this great thing that saved everybody, that made information free, that made news able to spread accurately across the globe. But it's turned out to I uh, I actually never thought that. No, you just thought people were too stupid all along because this was just going to be. I've always thought people are too damn stupid. Uh, you know, there. the thing is that lots and lots of people are capable when when you get their attention and you make them stop and think critically. Most people are able to reason and figure their way through things. Uh, but one of the worst things that the Internet has brought is that every 10 seconds, there's yet another distraction out there and it doesn't leave you. It, it, it leaves you permanently in the mode of absorbing information and never lets you stop and go into the mode of processing the information. So the result is the person who is scrolling Facebook all the time on their phone during every waking moment is always absorbing information and never analyzing it for themselves and just accepts whatever it is that they're told. And then you get a company like Facebook or Google or Twitter or any of the big algo companies who is carefully deciding which information you're being exposed to and you're absorbing it as fact. And that is how you end up with uh, what, what could be an intelligent human if they ever stopped, slowed down and, and thought about something. And instead is the kind of person who, who, who hive minds on Reddit, who, well, who just spouts whatever it is that they read on Facebook and, you know, the orange man, bad and NPCs, I guess is what I'm describing. Well, and that is social media. And it was interesting. Uh, just briefly this morning, I heard part of a Jen Briney show on the no agenda stream. I am so sorry. I know Uh-oh. you should be because you're Did the you? one that that keeps up. I, I am. I am because <laughs> people need because people need that sort of thing. The interesting thing was she's like talking about Facebook and you would love. Excuse me. You would love this little Winston device that I've been testing because there is a filter in the thing where you could just check a box and it blocks everything. Facebook from your network. You can not access yeah. anything. Can't load I mean, anything. My, my hole does that. Yeah, but this does it, you know, again, for people who are not looking to set up something like that. This again, this is a device we'll be doing a full review on it, but it it kind of is like a pie hole mixed with a router and mixed with the VPN that does some really cool stuff, especially for people that like the set it and forget it kind of thing. But Briny was complaining like. Well, I didn't want to do business with Facebook because I understood with Facebook that, you know, it used to be that anytime you posted something, everybody got it. And now only like 10% of the people that I post see this post. And, nah. and it's like, okay. well, if, the, you, if you don't think unintelligible whiny voice, notwithstanding what's wrong with that, that's <laughs> that sounds pretty accurate. Yeah, but I mean, the point was like she thought that Facebook should have to treat her more fairly. And it's like, are you nuts? This isn't how the world works. And she was complaining that they want, that wanted to be paid. And she's like, it would cost me like $200 for people to see every one of my posts. And it's like, well, this is what's called the free market. And then yeah. get off their platform. I mean, why don't bitch about it? Just leave. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I get your point. Yes. It's, you know, it, I mean, it's it is, like, and it's not like it this is, is perfectly something reasonable new. to whine. It, it, it is perfectly accurate. 
to whine that Facebook is a horrible, horrible place. The you, no, none of us, very, 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 very few of us have the power to force Facebook to change for the vast majority of us who are realizing that Facebook is a, a, a horrible, that, that there is no redeeming value whatsoever in being there. The solution isn't, oh, I think Facebook should change because that's that's shouting at, at walls. Uh, the solution is don't use it. And um, I would argue that uh, the same argument applies to Twitter. But for some reason, I can't get anyone to stop using that either. Well, both are doing the exact same thing because Twitter, once they put their algorithm in, meant that not everybody's going to see what you post in that. I mean, I know it surprised everybody, but she went on a whole rant of how people she knew created businesses that relied on Facebook to do business. And it's like, well, okay, then you're well there's your first mistake. Yes. Never build a business that's reliant upon somebody else to keep you in business. And I felt the same way when everybody that was making big money on YouTube went, well, now they changed and now I can't make any money and I'm broke and I quit my other job. It's like, well. You were relying on somebody else that you knew that could be pulled out from under you at any given time. So just because you made a bad decision doesn't mean I have to feel sorry for you. This it just went down I, to everything I hear from Briny, which is the government should help them and be better. Just like every the government should have paid all of her friends to stay home because covid was so bad and the government should pay their mortgages and their rents and the government should do this. And obviously the government should make Facebook make people see all their posts. And it's like, shut up. It, the The only fault that I really see in that is and, and, and it's a big one it is one that I will put at the feet of of every every leftist that makes the appeal to government uh, and, and it's not you know, not just people on the left but that seems to be it is there is this persuasive or per- pervasive attitude that uh you know life would be fair if only such and such authority would step in and make it fair and it, you know Way back in the day, the people who were completely off their rocker were saying that authority was God. They would say, uh, God will step in and smite you because life isn't fair. And that sometimes worked, depending on which stories you read, but most of the time didn't. Um, nowadays, it is if only government would step in. And it, it is always a fallacy to appeal to authority to try to make things fair for two reasons. One, is all of the power that you give to that authority, even if only by putting your belief in it, is going to come back on you one day or another. It, it always comes around. It's you know, live by the sword, die by the sword, or or you know, as as Dvorak will say, uh, it, it, anybody who anybody who get you know lies, steeds, cheats, and steeds to cheats. Easy for you to say. Today. No, it's not. It's apparently <laughs> no. Um, to get their fifteen minutes of fame, the the you know once once you get your use the media for your ends, it, it's only a matter of time before then they turn on you. It, it's the nature of handing power to someone that you don't control is eventually. But then the the second problem with it is that any attempt to make things fair runs into the the equality of outcome problem which is that it's impossible and it won't work. And for some reason, 
the one of the biggest lies that humans have been telling themselves from the beginning of time is is we can make this fair for everybody and we can't that's not how life works right there's only one person well no not not just one there's more but not everyone gets to screw adriana lima it's just the history of the world that's just how it works not not everyone gets to screw ellen page in fact no one does now (laughs) but now now you're open for elliot so i mean just line up get ready and uh and because you know guys way easier so there there's that um the other interesting thing when it comes to podcasting we can get off of briny the uh please (laughs) the uh, joe rogan show might be in a little bit of trouble when it comes to Spotify, or maybe I should say Spotify is kind of in trouble because uh, our friend DC girl, you know, the election expert, not a spook, talked about uh, watching some trash, watching trashy TV and got an ad for the Joe Rogan show on Spotify. So Spotify now is spending money to advertise the fact that Joe Rogan is there. Now, I thought Joe Rogan going to Spotify was going to that was the. That was the big net that was going to bring everybody into Spotify, which was going to make this whole thing pay off for them. And the fact that they're spending money to advertise, and I don't know where she was watching this trashy reality TV, if it was actually over the air or online. But either way, Spotify's paying for ads to advertise the Joe Rogan show, which we know those kind of ads aren't cheap. So they're already noticing taking a hit. You would have thought Spotify would have just been rolling in the cash the minute Rogan went behind that paywall. But I guess not. It, are are you gaslighting me? I thought we talked about this last show. We talked about, about that. Rogan. Yeah, we did. Okay. But we didn't talk about the fact that they were now advertising the show. This is just yeah. another step in that direction and, of. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I definitely hadn't heard that. But this is uh, the, the place where I get most of my Spotify news these days is is the podcasting 2.0 podcast, because, of course, uh, Adam is paying very close attention to the entire podcasting space and. And it is with no small amount of schadenfreude that he's pointing out often, he and Dave are pointing out often that, you know, every time Spotify makes another move that seems to be failing because the walled garden concept is, well, has has proven in many, many instances in the past that the walled garden doesn't work. It it always makes a great flash in the pan and eventually people want out. Um, So nothing about I guess nothing about what you just said surprises me. No, it's just we, we already knew that to watch it. And yes, if people aren't checking out what's going on at podcastindex.org, they should definitely do so. I checked out in my podcast app of choice, which is Podcast Addict, the latest No Agenda show, and the whole chapter thing is phenomenal. Oh my God. It's uh, all community based, which means it really works better when you have hundreds of thousands of listeners, no doubt about it. But I have to look into this now, because do we have to do something to make our show open for these chapters or uh, you know, is there just something I, we need to add? I need to do that research. I'm not really sure by um, my, my understanding of how this works. And, and this might be a little too inside baseball is that Adam ended up giving right access to the chapters file to the people who were making some of these apps. So that the the chat, whoever was whatever app was being used, uh, they could write directly to the chapters file on the because my understanding is the way that chapters are implemented in the the podcast spec is that 
your RSS feed points to a chapters file somewhere that has to be hosted online. And that chapters file contains all of the data. And if that's the case, then it doesn't make sense to be able to easily crowdsource that without somehow having some kind of lock to control access to that, that chapters file or, or it'll, I mean, it'll never work to have everybody able to write to the same file. And it's not like it's a database that's aggregated on the fly. It's, it's one file in the spec. So um, it, it would be interesting to see how that's intended because I think it would be a, a pretty hard sell for a lot of people to want to give access to their own database, but maybe, you know, this might end up just being an app thing where, where different apps will, will decide to, or, or, or better yet hosting providers where hosting providers will decide to host the chapters file and give apps the ability to contribute to that file. I'm, I'm not really sure how it works. And I know that nothing is finalized yet. Yes. One app, but I, to rule them all. I, I know that the, the podcasting spec now contains the, it, it contains the ability for a podcast to specify chapters, which were designated by the podcaster. And that covers what 99.5% of podcasts will want to do where the person who controls a podcast also wants to control the app. I don't believe that the spec adequately covers the case which Adam wants, where he wants to just be able to talk into a microphone and then have his tens of thousands of producers do all the rest of the work around it. I mean, that's which a better, is, is an enviable place to be in, yeah, but most a, podcasts aren't there. Yeah, it's a better way to go. Just be like, okay, I've talked. Now, can you guys release that? Cool. But uh, yeah, because there is some work on the back end. There's no question about it. With all of these things that are being added, it is going to be fun to watch how the transcriptions play out because i mean the issue there still is i mean i understand something better than nothing but these places that do the transcripts like we've talked about uh, otter ai in the just descript and there's a few other ones they're not perfect and then the question becomes do you want to make them perfect well how much time is that worth we do a two-hour podcast twice a week Sure, we can keep it that short. The machine can do a majority of the work, but the only way to know if the machine got it correct is really to take the at least two hours to listen back. And then if you're making edits while you listen back, my guess is it would take you three to four hours per show if one person was doing it. Whereas I guess if you could open that up as well to the people that are listening to the show, in consuming the show and want to give back by making edits there. But the problem then there is people can change that to incorrect information. So it is. Well, a, that's always the problem with, with crowdsourcing any kind of data is that you, you always have the ability to get bad data in there. Yes. And there was, it's, all, it's a hard problem. There was a video and uh, everybody should look it up. There's a guy on YouTube. Uh, I think his channel is called booth junkie. And he does a lot of reviews of microphones and all that kind of audio gear. And it was a warning that somebody else had put up, which, I mean, I don't know how anybody fell for this because he's like some voice talent fell for this because this, these two particular sentences or three, whatever it was, was in some script, you know, because people will do this like on Fiverr, you know, hey, I have a quick thing. I need somebody to read it, pick up a few bucks. You send them that. Well, this was. The lines that were they were being given 
were the training lines from the websites that we've talked about. I think it was Descript that would then take your voice. And if you were doing a podcast or whatever, you could change the word and it would make it sound like you changed the word. But of course, you don't even need the original podcast. You can just type in a sentence and the thing will do its best job to recreate your voice. And he played his voice doing this whole video, warning people about this, using that service. And while it still sounded a little robotic, you still could tell whose voice it was. And you could tell how much better this has gotten just over the last few years. If anybody's ever tried to do a, uh, you know, a thing, and I was, I did this a few times when face down, you know, from the eye surgery and just wanting to, uh, you know, to consume some web pages and stuff like that and just have an article read, the voice that's available is very unbelievable very non-emotional because there is no inflections it's just doing a you know the basics of all basics reading where the ai is getting a lot better at interpreting you know what is being said and if there should be a you know an inflection here or there the the concept of these deep fakes with audio it's getting scary now where we are with this stuff scary i'm just waiting for for some Bemrose AI to pop up and and do the show for me. I mean, it, you'd no prefer, work. You'd prefer that, huh? You're just like, see, this is now the new. See, this is okay. This is the app you need to write because this could be the the Sir Bemrose. I went to the bathroom app, which would still if it, if I stopped talking would just mumble something and it would sound like you were still there. Yeah. Or, well, no, I, I would need to train it to be really snarky and sarcastic in every time that, that you pause in between words. Yes. Why would you say that? What? I, I said I was, I was really happy with your performance on the <laughs> exactly. last show. See, I could just, I, I could do that now with a script, just record lines like, you know, what? No, you're wrong about that. Or, or, oh, there's where you, you know, there's where you screwed up or, uh, stop going to Twitter then. You know, just, right. I can record a bunch of lines <laughs> and just have a script randomly inject them and it would sound just like this show anyway. Yeah, that you're probably not wrong. You are probably <laughs> not wrong. Uh, but I just thought that was intriguing and it's going to be interesting to watch the Rogan stuff because I do believe they overpaid him. And it's interesting to see what as far as being overpaid. Do you see the story today? Bob Dylan. It's w- believed a three hundred million dollar deal selling the publishing rights for his whole catalog of work, which, you know, one didn't seem like all that much money, but it's interesting because Stevie Nicks just what seems like a lot of money to me. I mean, for, for the Bob Dylan catalog, it, it doesn't seem like a lot because he's, you know, a very prolific writer, but Stevie Nicks just yeah, got yeah, 80 but, million. But how much work does he have to do in now in exchange for this? Nothing. Okay, so sounds like a lot of money to me. But I mean, he's already collecting money on it, unless he's just figuring he's old. Yeah, and yeah, I die. get it. You're, 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 you still worship at the church of copyright where somebody should be able to do work once and then be paid for it over and over and over again in perpetuity. I get that. Which is why Bob Dylan just got 300 mil. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. But I just don't get why all these are. I mean, Taylor Swift is crying and bitching and moaning that she doesn't have the rights to her songs, although she could have purchased them. And that was like for like 250 million, I thought. So if Bob Dylan's only 300, I mean, that's, uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty good deal. 
I would guess. Maybe. Well, I mean, Bob Dylan is better than Taylor Swift. Yeah, I won't just I won't argue that at all. I mean, <laughs> oh, God. you know, both different. I mean, she maybe sings better, yeah. but that's OK. Bob you, Dylan you were isn't paid to sing now. Now, I think he probably or she probably does. Yes. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you've heard Bob lately. Like, hey, you did, you know. uh, I'm, uh, well, OK, that's what he sounded like back in the 70s. Though. <laughs> he hasn't changed much. <laughs> He has not changed much. Happy birthday today to Tom Waits, 71. I think Cold Acid pointed that out in the pre-show. Uh, is 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 he on No Agenda Social? Who is this? Tom Waits. Mule variations. You know, the guy that did. What's he building in there? Big in Japan. I mean, he's been a. Uh, what's a, he waiting for? Right. Tom Waits. He's waiting for you to do a good show. So he'll be waiting. <laughs> for and, and how old did you say he is? 71. Oh, could could, could might, be if he he might not have enough time. We hope yeah. you do, Tom. We're we're working on it. We are working. You on said, it. You said you uh, said that that you thought you mentioned at one point you thought that uh, Spotify was paying Rogan too much, and and it it occurs to me, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Rogan also thought that. But honestly, right. would would you tell them no? No, I, that's why I said from the beginning. If I'm Rogan, I'm like, this is a great deal. Now, I, I think that Rogan made out really great. I think that Spotify did something really dumb. Yeah. And I and said, I'm oh, from, totally OK with them paying for their mistakes. Hey, I said from the beginning, if this was Rogan's exit strategy, genius. If Rogan wants to keep his audience, maybe a bad thing because you're seeing the people bitching I, about I this. It, that, but if know, it crashes hard enough, then maybe he's got time for a comeback. Well, true. He may wind up be, back on his own. Know, yeah, maybe a year from now, he's like, uh, I am creating a new show called the Joe Rogan Adventure <laughs> because it has to be a different name. Totally different. And, yeah. and you know, because Spotify owns the other one. But uh, hey, guys, I'm back. And I, the, the thing that kills the audience is if he goes on and creates a substandard product for any amount of time. And I haven't seen any evidence that that he's creating a substandard product, although admittedly, you know, with it now behind a paywall, I don't expect I'll be seeing any any evidence at all of it. But who knows? Well, it makes it very hard for things to go viral. And we've all know the uh, how the viral marketing works for a lot of entities. And the Joe Rogan show was definitely one of those shows that was pushed forward by people making the little shorter clips, the mashups, the funny things with the video. It's a lot harder to do when that isn't available. The material is not available. I don't know if Spotify is going to start going after people if they clip, you know, a five minute segment. You know, this was the best part of the interview with Alex Jones. Put that up on YouTube. That'll probably get taken down. And things just can't go viral when it's behind a paywall either. I really do think they overestimated the amount of hardcore fans that Joe Rogan has, because for me, Rogan was interesting to check out when he had somebody on that I really was interested to hear what they had to say. You know, Uncle Ted or the Podfather, somebody like that. I would go and listen, but wasn't a regular listener. Now, you know, if it's like, well, you hear somebody on that I'm interested in, but I have to jump through hoops to hear it. I could probably find those people on other podcasts. So the Rogan show kind of loses a little bit of steam. At least for me in that aspect, which is I don't really want to jump through the hoops. And if you are trying to consume it legally and the word that I've, that I've heard about this, if this is right, that 
it's like 10 minutes of ads before the show even starts, then no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to deal with that. And well, that- I think, I, I, I think that, that Spotify definitely overestimated the stickiness of a podcast, but the, I just wanted to bring up the, the point that Adam keeps making on, on podcasting 2.0 is he, he says that, and, and I kind of agree with this. What Spotify did was they, they know how big their audience is. They are huge. They're the biggest music audience in the world. And, uh, Spotify, we, I think Adam thinks, I, I agree, um, overestimated the number of people that they could convert from music listeners to podcast listeners. And if you stop and think about the listening scenario, the only thing that those two things have in common is that you put them on earbuds or a speaker and listen to them through your device. Correct. But otherwise, you know, when you want to listen to music, that is a very different mental state and situation than you want to listen to podcasts. You one is, is a, a commute time or when I sit down and I have an hour, for you know, podcasts actually displace television more than they displace music. And so I, I think that Spotify really expected they would be able to convert their hundreds of millions of music subscribers into podcast listeners and Hey, instant audience. And they just haven't converted. All right. Cause they point to all their music listeners and go, Hey, now you can listen to Joe Rogan easily. And everybody's like, well, I was able to do that yeah. before. <laughs> before. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, combine that with with possibly a, a larger than expected fall off caused by taking highly popular podcast properties and putting them behind a paywall and thinking, oh, well, we can just, you know, we're, we're not charging people anything. We can just drag them all behind the paywall. And and, you know, I, I'm not going to count on most of them being like me where. I, I'm sorry, but having to install an app and create an account is way too much friction. I, I I'll pass. I'll go find another podcast because there's, there's, there's plenty out there. Um, but somewhere along the line, there was enough friction of install an app and go create an account that people are like, eh, you know what? Grumpy old Ben's is pretty good too. They're no Rogan, but uh, they're free. Yes, and easy, and, easy to access. And, and I, I can listen to them anonymously. I don't even have to donate to these people. No, it would be nice if you did, but uh, it would be the but not everybody can be an expert. No, that is absolutely true. And I have yet to see a reason why any of these aggregators, whatever you want to call them, like Spotify, there was what luminosity there was. um, it, It seems like there's been a bunch and none of them really even stick out because none of them had anything. You know, this concept like, oh, we're, we're going to have our own network and you could have to come to us to get these shows. It never really made sense because this is the television thing all over again. Everybody, the biggest argument was always with cable TV was we want a la carte. We don't want it's great that the, you know, Xfinity or Cox or whoever is like, hey, we're going to give you a package with 800 channels. And there's a lot of people like. Well, you know what? I watch six. So I would just like these six channels. I want only this. I don't want to pay for things I am not interested in. And that is what podcasts were when they first came out, because you can go get any podcast app or you can do this without an app. If you really want to go to the individual creators websites and you know go scrape the data yourself. But overall, it came down to you go to a podcast app, 
You could go to Grumpy Old Ben's. Go, hey, I like that. Subscribe. You could then go to Random Thoughts. Hey, I like that. Go subscribe. You can go to No Agenda. I like that. Subscribe. Any podcast you want. It didn't matter. You could bring them all into your personal a la carte. That app was basically your a la carte podcast. Anything can be played here. The minute you start going, well, I want Joe Rogan. And they're like, well, your app sucks. You have to download our app. That is that is an issue. And people aren't going to jump through that hoop. And they or a lot of people don't even know, I guess, would be the other thing. Like, well, where'd, where'd Rogan go? I'm searching for him in my pod. I've always listened to him in my podcast app. Now he doesn't exist in here. So he must be dead. Uh, we we've still got people at this very moment in the troll room who are missing the point. Harry Hamster says Rogan is free on Spotify despite Bemrose. Um, no, no, <laughs> it's you. not. It well, it's, he he spites me, and we, I get that a lot. I'm I'm not worried about it. Um, Rogan is not free on Spotify. There is a cost. The cost is not money. Spotify does not ask for actual cash dollars in order to listen to Rogan on Spotify. What Spotify does, however, require you to do. And for some people, this is enough friction to go. Yeah, I'll go listen to another show. Spotify requires you if you don't. And this is again, if you don't already have it, which is why they were counting on converting all their music listeners. If you don't, already have Spotify, you are required to go get an account and download an app. And then you have to listen to Rogan in an app with ads, with all the other crap that they're going to throw at you. This is a cost. It's not a monetary cost, but for in, in my case, having to install an app, not being able to just play it in VLC, not being able to download it for offline archiving and most importantly, you know, those are those are real problems. But the one deal breaker is I will not listen to ads, period. End of fucking story. And you can say, oh, it's free. You can get it. I, I don't care. There is still a cost. And if I'm not willing to pay the cost, there are over a million other podcasts out there. Yes, there are. Uh, Sir Johnny, the Swamp Knight and No Agenda Social Toots. As a semi-regular watcher, listener of Rogan for many, many years now, I have yet to make a Spotify account. So see, you're finding that there are people. I mean, granted, small sample size here. Uh, but then our friend DC girl of the Smashcast podcast, Smashcast dot, what is it? Uh, Squarespace.com. Get a, get a better URL. She says, I think, <laughs> I think I have a Spotify podcaster account because I'm a fancy podcaster. You are. You're very fancy, DC girl. And everybody should check out Smashcast. And you should do more than one show a month. Just saying you don't have to do two a week, but more than one a month. Get on it. I, 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 I even one a month. I'd be good with Uh, Smashcast is, is amazing and needs to, I think the last one was in October. I, I, I don't know. Sadness. Anyways. So you use a password manager, correct? I do. I do too. Um, but a lot of people still don't. A lot of people still try to remember their passwords. And <laughs> this causes a problem. Um, part of the main reason for the problem is that human memory is not really all that good. And and in fact, it's a lot worse than computer memory for, for things like passwords. Um, so what what do most people do? When they want to re- have a password, they remember the average human, not a dude named Ben. They will write out uh, you know, what, what would be uh, a reasonable password for you might be something like, say, Darren 1970. 
Why would you choose that? Well, it's really easy to remember. It's your name and the year you were born. It, you would not do that because you understand that passwords are a problem, but a lot of people do. And uh, this particular story comes to us by way of Progo, who, uh, thank you, he's one of our experts. Yes, good old Brendan Kidwell, smallcomputer.us. Yes. Um, he, this was from Cyber News who they took it upon themselves to analyze 15 billion passwords from multiple data breaches that had been publicly leaked. Um, and they, they stripped out everything else to do with the data breach and just looked at the passwords themselves. Um, the, the first interesting fact about this, this set of passwords is 15 billion passwords. How many of those do you think were unique? Unique out of 15 billion, I would guess under a billion. Uh, you're a little low. Uh, 2.2 billion unique passwords amongst that list. It's still but an interesting still, ratio. In, in terms of computer security, that's really not very good. Well, no, because uh, even if you're doing, and this is something when I'm doing more throwaway accounts for things that I'm not really worried about the security of, like probably my Spotify account. I may just come up with a random word and then some random digits after them, but you can't sure. just do a word and then nothing or one, two, never one, two, three. It's got to be, you know, even if you can come up with a series of digits that are something you would remember, that would be helpful. And the, uh, I mean, the other thing, and I hate when there are companies that will not let you use the, the plus in the email name because the plus in the email name to me adds a huge amount of security as well because one if somebody's just running a script so say you know my grumpy old ben's account got you know hacked well if that was darren o'neill plus grumpy old ben's at gmail.com well that's only used on grumpy old ben so even if the password is shared if somebody's just running a script, that email address isn't going to be the same as any other address. Oh, yeah. yeah, the these these leaked databases usually included an email address and a password with them, which means that anybody who has access to it, and Cyber News only did it so they could do some analysis on a the set of passwords, but anybody who has access to these can very easily just replay and be like, well, let's try this email and this password at every site on the internet, because if you ever reused your password in your email, it instant login. Yeah. Uh, that, that is, I mean, that's, that's one of the first really basic things. Never use the same password in multiple places. Uh, but you know, humans are not creative enough to come up with that many unique passwords. So, you know, a lot of them might even be things like, uh, uh, you know, Ryan one, two, three, four, and sure, that's got letters and a name, but lots of people, lots of different people are going to come up with that. In fact, uh, my mom has probably used that password on six different sites. I don't know. I, I don't ask. I don't want to. But um, here's here's some interesting stats about this particular set of passwords. Uh, the first is, uh, well, actually, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to throw it to you. What types of things do you think that people will put into passwords most often? What like types of data? Like well, I mentioned year. Yeah, they'll put the like their birth year. They'll also put the name, obviously, of their spouse or of their pet or of their children. So names, I think, are a big deal. So name names are a big one. So um, 
uh, top names that were found in passwords, Alex, Anna, Max, Ava, Ella, Leo, Jack, Ryan, and Daniel. Well, see, a lot of people are using your name as a password. Three million people are putting my name in a password. I, <laughs> I didn't know that Grumpy Old Ben's was that popular. It is. It is a huge success, especially over in the Netherlands. I guess so. Or I thought it was an Irish name. That what do be. I know? You never know. You never know who's Americans to Grumpy Old Ben's. Yes. But I could see that. And I could also see that there are a lot of people who believe that just leet speaking name a lot of people haven't heard in a while but if you change you know the a to the uh ask you know the ampersand uh the at symbol or if you change the uh oh the letter o to a zero that that's gonna really fool people um so cyber news didn't didn't mention anything about that i don't think they did any analysis on that but you you definitely nailed one of the big problems with it which is that if you take a dictionary word and you change the O's to a zero and the I's to a one or the L's to a one or something like that, you've still got a dictionary word because that does not increase the key space enough to matter in any real way. Right. Because nobody's changing the letter A instead of the at sign. Nobody's changing that to, you know, a backward slash. I mean, maybe somebody is and that's a genius, but that's, uh, you know, ra- yeah, that's the rarity. And, and the Pretty much the rule is the the more entropy you can introduce into your password, the better. And so if you follow very common rules like an O to a zero, you're not introducing entropy because everybody freaking does that. Um, so years, the most popular years used in passwords were uh, for some reason were 2010, 1987 and 2000. There were weird peaks at all of those 2000. I kind of understand, uh, you know, the. Because that that's the 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 millennium, the epoch year, or whatever you know, the the lots of lots of various things that have not little to do with years. You know, the the Nimbus two thousand or whatever the 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 I, I wasn't that a Harry Potter thing. I don't know. I don't care. Um, but for the most part, the distribution of years I thought was interesting because it ramps very smoothly. As a matter of fact, it almost it ramps almost exactly as you would expect. Um, with a few down near 1900, um, but the ramp goes up pretty straight from 1950 to about 1990, um, which is almost exactly a fit for the distribution of when people were born. That would make sense. Yeah, of course it makes sense. So lots and lots of people are putting their birth year into passwords. Uh, in fact, um, Something like three or four hundred million of the passwords in the database had years in them, which is a little scary, but okay. Well, uh, that's other, what, you're right, because I mean, the problem is that the directions for a lot of these websites used to be, well, at least use a digit. And they're like, well, oh, yeah. well, a lot of them, a lot of websites are, are things like, uh, you know, you have to have your password that must include a number and people are like, well, fuck, what's the one number that I can think of that I will always remember. I know a year. Yes. Or you got a lot of passwords with just a single digit one after that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of those too. Uh, other things that people put in there, um, sports teams, uh, there are, uh, a, the, the largest sports teams are Suns, heat, reds, magic, Liverpool, Chelsea, Jazz, Arsenal, Kings, and Angels. 
Which a lot of those oh. aren't necessarily tied to a sports yeah. team, but okay. That's that's the one thing that I had a problem with uh, is I, I feel like the in a lot of cases, they just grep for things that were names. In fact, when I mentioned uh, uh, you know people names, the actual top name on the list was uh, Eva. But since that's EVA, um, that that is almost eight million. It's significantly more than the others. And I kind of left that one out because it could be a substring. Well, yeah, like Memrose okay. forever. Yeah, uh, I, I would believe lots of people use that as a password, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Um, other things people put in uh, cities. Uh, OK, again, the, the number one city that they list and in fact, by almost three times the number two was Abu, which they said was short for Abu Dhabi. I'm really ABU. I think that the letters ABU probably are not referring to Abu Dhabi in most of those. So. I kind of leave that off. So let's ignore that one. So two through 10, though, Rome, Lima, Hong, Milan, London, Liverpool, Austin, Antonio, and York. So a lot of people using cities in there. You know, these are all things like the more people that use your same password, this the, the grumpy old Ben's advice. Don't do any of the things I'm telling you people are doing these days, because the more people use it, the more likely it is that that is going to end up in a dictionary word password attack and someone's going to hack your shit. Yes. And you have to understand how these password managers work. And um, you have to make sure that everybody, you know, my wife was still writing stuff down and I'm like, look, we have RoboForm. I've been paying for the family thing. It's like I set her up and then she doesn't use it. It's like, it's easy, but you actually have to use it. And the reality of the situation is if the product isn't easy and if it isn't something that people can immediately go, oh, I understand this, then they go back to other things. And I think RoboForm works really well. And I know it's one of them that's more on the on the fringe, but it works really well for me on the desktop and then on the iPad and the Android phone. It works great across all of those. And I would recommend checking them out if you haven't. But I know you use like uh, any, any pass or last pass. I, I, I or use key pass. pass. I, I use KeePass with my own my own synchronization scheme, but uh, you know I always have to do everything difficult. So yes, I, I, <laughs> and I thought of that. I mean, I really I went through it wasn't that long ago to set that up, and then finding the apps that worked on the phone, it just seemed like way too much work. Where I think RoboForm RoboForm per year was like twenty bucks a year or something, and it's like. To me, that just and, it makes more sense. And, and the, it, it should not surprise you that Cyber News number one uh, takeaway from this, their recommendation at the end of the article is everybody should not be making up their own passwords. You should be using a password manager uh, by far. The the most useful it, password managers are great because you don't have to remember your password, which means it can be anything you want. As a matter of fact, most of the passwords I have in KeePass. I would never I, I don't think I've ever even seen them right in anything but a series of dots because I don't care because the number one feature of most all password managers is the ability to generate a new, brand new cryptographically secure, truly random password, which is something humans are not capable of doing. Humans are also not capable of remembering them. I think the default length is is either 20 or 24 characters. There's no way I'd be able to remember that if I wanted to. And I really don't want to ever type it in either, which is why suddenly the password manager is useful. 
Yes. As, as but, Ned, Ned pointed out, the is having a, a full sentence is actually probably better than using lead speak, which makes sense. Oh, yes. 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 Go go look up correct horse battery staple. There was a valuable XKCD to explain the benefits of a pass phrase over a pass word. And that's what I use on RoboForm. I use a series use of correct words. horse battery staple. No, I use a series of words with numbers and those all put together. And you, which I've never changed it, yeah. which I probably should, but it's like, cause this is the one downfall. There's only one downfall when it comes to these password managers, which is if somebody guesses your master password, they've got your life. That, that is, and, <laughs> and, yeah. And you definitely, that's one of the reasons, that's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, there are a number of security con- that steps that you can take. One of the steps I take is that, um, my password database is not accessible to the cloud at all. Um, I manually synchronize it between my devices. Uh, There's a lot of cloud-based password managers and those are great, but the only thing that you have to keep your entire world from crumbling is a a secure master password. And I sure as hell hope that you don't have a secure master password that is in this analysis that cyber news did. Right. Right. Well, (laughs) which again, is why the plus in the email, I think, is so important as well. Actually, I was going to email RoboForm to complain about that, because the one thing they will do once you've had been logged in on a system, when it asks you for your password, it shows the email. And I think the email should be just as protected as the password, because if nobody knows, you know, it's attached to my Gmail account. But if nobody knows what the plus part is, you won't be able to get into my password manager. You need to have it's basically an extra password built in to the system to get it to match up, to get you to be able to log in. And that's something that I think everybody should use as well. The one time that I had an issue with a password generator, which I guess, you know, being half blind doesn't help, but you really have to pay attention to websites when you're setting your password. No, I mean, granted, most of the time. As long as you're using a legitimate email address that you own and control, you'll be able to reset your password. But I ran into a thing a couple of months ago where I went, I was trying to log in. I don't remember what website it was. And I just kept getting a password error. And I'm like, well, it's in RoboForm. I mean, I, this is the password. I know what the password is. And then I looked when I, you know, went and looked and saw, well, the password has to be, you know, up to 20 characters. And I looked in the password in RoboForm was over 20 characters oh so i deleted everything after the 20th character and it logged in but what that meant was it let me set a password with more than 20 characters yeah and only paid attention to the first 20 yeah any anybody who sets up a, a site or an account set um you you never ever ever have a maximum password link there's no for one thing you shouldn't be storing the fucking password. You should never store the password. You should store a hash of the password. And it doesn't matter. I could give you a password 3000 characters long and you should be capable of hashing it. Now, hopefully you don't have, I don't cause a buffer overrun right. on your input form. Right. That'd be a different thing. But if, if I give you a password 3000 characters long, you should be able to hash that and store it in your database. No problem. And when I give you the same sequence of 3000 characters, you should be able to confirm that that was my password without having to store 3000 characters that if, don't store passwords any webmasters. What the hell? But yeah. 
Yeah, I, I didn't quite get that. And I think it was Ticketmaster. I ran into a problem once using the plus because it then I, I remember setting up a, uh, an account with the plus. And then when I went it, to try to log that in, that is the least of the problems with Ticketmaster. I agree. When I went to log in, though, it wouldn't let me log in. And it said like that didn't exist. So obviously, again, it let the account get set up. But because plus was in there, when you tried to log in with the plus, it said it was an invalid email. So it's like, so you're allowing people to set up the account with the plus in there. But when somebody tries to log in with the plus, it wouldn't work. So, I mean, genius. I mean, again, this is the kind of stuff they need testers for. So other types of things that uh, that CyberNews found in the password, I'm just go through. Um, let's see. Months, seasons, weekdays. Uh, the interesting thing about weekdays is that for some reason, there were 157,000 passwords that had Friday in it and only 28,000 that had Saturday in it. A difference of about seven times. Well, I would have guessed Friday so, would be number one, especially if they're so, work passwords, because okay. everybody wants oh, Friday, right? Okay. If, if Friday's number one, then what's number two? Tuesday. No. Tuesday was, was down there. I don't know. Um, what's number two? Monday. Because <laughs> they hate Mondays, I guess. Uh, in fact, Friday, Monday, and Sunday were all represented in almost 150,000 passwords, and Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday, and Saturday in under 50,000. I don't understand the gap but apparently friday monday and sunday are the the password days um there was food plenty of food things like uh you know nut fish water butter cookie rice cake um i mean see all those together would be a hell of a password that you know if you ran them all together that would be but now you're talking now you're getting into um the the question of length uh and they did an analysis on length uh what what do you think the most common length of a character is of a character one or I, <laughs> I actually in most unicode sets it's now four bytes but go uh, and you meant i meant passwords how many okay how many characters the average password how many characters is? the average password is i'm guessing sadly eight to ten eight is correct uh to more than 25 percent of the passwords in the database contained eight characters um and uh 18% the next was six characters at 18% of them were only six characters long wow. um next was seven 14% had seven characters um and then 13% had nine characters and 12% had 10 characters that accounts for almost all of them only 5% of all the passwords in the database had 11 or more characters damn that's what okay what is your uh I'm assuming you have a generator set up with your uh, key pass, last pass. Well, I have a generator for my key pass. My passphrase for key pass is the one that I have to type every single time that I open up key pass is I want to say about 18 or 20 characters long. Not bad. Trying, but trying what, to, th- I, you know, get, I've got it in my muscle memory. I was trying to think about it in my head, right, like typing. it. Yeah. And you can type that phrase faster than any phrase anybody else can come up with by now. I, I'm pretty damn good at it. I do it often enough. Yes. But what when you are going to a site and creating a new password, you're getting it generated randomly by your system. How many characters? I think that KeyPass is set to generate a 24 character password by default. Yeah, I think I have mine at 33 for obvious reasons. Let's but see. You have to pay attention to make sure that they'll allow a 33 character password. And then I yeah. also think, well, I don't want it to be the same for every site because then that becomes easier. Once, although when you're brute forcing 
every character over a certain amount just becomes harder and harder and yeah. harder. I, I, varying the length means very little with regards to brute forcing other than longer is always better. Yes. No um, especially if you know the only reason why a uniform length would matter is if everybody used the same length but obviously you know the uniform length is less than 10 uh the one other thing out of the article that i thought was funny was uh that, that they did an analysis of curse words um five million passwords contain sex i guess they call that a curse word <laughs> five million passwords contain the word fuck yeah well see um, now here's where if if any of the accounts and I've had a bunch of people that have set up accounts with my email address, obviously thinking it was their own, uh, not just on my main account, but there's a lot of people who think they're Darren O'Neill at gmail.com for whatever reason. And how many people are Darren O'Neill? No, I, there's more than one. There's for that's for damn sure. But usually what I do if I can't just outright easily delete an account. So if I get something today that's like, hey, thanks for shopping at Bemrose VPN and I didn't. I'll go, I'll reset the password on the account and I'll change the password to fuck you. <laughs> and then I'll just <laughs> go about my day because that's what I do when somebody uses my email. So if they come back and try to log in, now they'll get the error. And then, of course, they can't reset it because they don't have the pass. They don't have the email because that's mine. Right. So, so hey, what you're doing is you're fucking with somebody's Christmas gifts. Maybe. Yeah. I wouldn't be the first yeah, time. I, what What a Grinch. Well, you want to know which was the worst. And this has happened a couple of times in trying to get anybody, you know, when it involves gambling, these fucking assholes. I forget the name of the company. They have one in the U.S., They, but it's, this was out of the U.K. So somebody signs up for a gambling site in the U.K., Darren O'Neill, right? And it's not even it's not even the guy. So it's a woman's name that's always a, attached to the account. So I don't know if it's his wife, mistress, whatever. I don't know. Darren O might be a, a female name. You never know. But they're using a different name. That's like, I think, Candy or something. There was a C name that was okay. attached to it. They're like Carol, I think it was. Carol O'Neill. So this is you. Was, if you know who this word. is in the oh. UK. Yes. Um, yeah, maybe. But the most nefarious thing that I've run into was, you know, I start getting emails like your account on whatever this site was, blah, blah, blah. So I try to go and click the thing. So I'm like, fuck these people. I'm going to delete the account. I click on the thing and you know what? It pops up on my screen. You can't access this because you're not in the UK. I'm like, fuck <laughs> you. These assholes are using my email and you're like, you cannot access our UK account unless you're in but the UK. You have a VPN. I do. Well, so you're like, okay, give me a moment. <laughs> yes. I'll be there. <laughs> yes. It's amazingly in under 60 seconds. I am in the oh. UK. Anybody who uses IP for geofencing, that's just it doesn't work. It's wrong. Stop it. Yes, it doesn't work. And that is, again, one of the beauties of this Winston device is that my IP address is jumping all over the place when surfing the Internet. But, yeah, I quickly went to uh, NordVPN, got a UK thing and deleted the account. And it's like, I just but see, this is like so horrible. It's like, well, how can you you can't even stop the spam? Somebody creates an account with your email address. And then it's geofenced, so you can't tell them that. The, I mean, I didn't even have a contact us button. It was just like, nope, you can't access us. Like assholes. It's like, how about verifying <laughs> the email before you add it to your account? How about sending me an email that said, did you sign up for this? And then let I, me click. No. I mean, that's a standard way of doing things. You would think. Now, admittedly, that, that attack on, on Adam Curry a few months ago was <laughs> caused exactly by that. Somebody. Somebody just fed Adam's email 
into tens of thousands of websites, each of which sent him a, a, a you know, would, a, or please confirm your account mail. Or some of them just said, OK, thanks for the email address. Yeah, um, and it wasn't even that I mean, expensive. I mean, some, who, somebody tracked no. it down. <laughs> I mean, it was, I don't know if it was Adam. It was awful. Yes, it was on the dark web. And I, I went to the site and looked at it and went, yeah, well, maybe if Bemrose pisses me off. Um, but as, as of yet, you haven't gotten any email bombs, right? Uh, I get no spam. I get, okay, JCD. But yeah, I mean, if you want the Christmas <laughs> gift that, you know, for that friend or family member, you just can't find anything for, give them an email bomb. And I'm just kidding. I mean, because somebody out there is going, well, screw it. This O'Neill guy, you just told it's me what his Gmail address is. He's on giving. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, but it's easy. Yeah, it's easy enough to You've do. You've got a mean streak in you. You know that? I, I read that there was a book. I remember I like, like, it. like 12 or 13. There was a book I remember picking up at a um, at a bookstore because, you know, back then, that's what you used. Uh, it was called Spite, Malice and Revenge, which I thought was a great title. And it was just a bunch of just mean spirited things that you could do to screw with people. Like, you know, if you're leaving an apartment that you didn't like the landlord well you know throw a couple uh mackerel maybe in the uh you know in the heating vents or something on the day you're leaving because it's it's gonna take a few days for that to kick in and uh you know things the, you the could problem do. is uh, uncreative people need a book for this sort of thing yeah i know but i told you i was like 12 or 15 when i got it so i mean that i was i was just learning i was just the padawan back then yeah learning and yeah. uh Creative plus vindictive is the worst combination. <laughs> yes, because you will. I mean, you will definitely go the extra mile. And I mean, when people screw with you and you have like their address or phone number, you always wonder if they're not afraid because I've run into people on, you know, like eBay and got screwed on eBay deals. And it's not hard to find their you know, phone number most of the time because it's attached to their address. And it's not like I ever went into like adult chat rooms in the middle of the night and just pretended to be a female saying, oh, I'm looking for phone sex. Call me. Call me. <laughs> and it's great because then you get people to call that number. And uh, no, I mean, just saying allegedly, I never really, really did that. Uh, no, but it's funny. Uh -huh. and it's good. You know, allegedly, I did a whole lot of things that I may or may not have done back <laughs> in the day, but. I probably shouldn't be admitting to them only after the statute of limitations, which is usually like seven years. So by now we're probably both safe. We've both been just, well, which is why you keep getting stories of my past on this show, <laughs> which is, yes, we need more Bembro stories. That's what, maybe that's what the Christmas episode should be. Like just everybody gather around the radio dial, gather around the Christmas tree and listen to Ryan Bembro's regale us with stories of his youth. I mean, that would be good. So Let's Encrypt is warning of a certificate expiration. Yeah. Who saw this coming, right? Yeah. Well, I'm, we've talked about it, but we're not the only ones. Uh, the, I, this, is, this is an inevitable side effect of the, the push from you know, a while back, mostly by companies like Google, to make the web a lot more difficult to put a site up on. Because suddenly everybody has to have HTTPS and it, it made the web less open because you can't just throw up a website and, and self-host it. Now you have to create a sort of certificate. And, it, you know, the funny thing is nowadays, pretty much everybody has to go create. If you want a site, you have to go create an account with Cloudflare just so that they'll forward your your cert and get everything. You know, it 
it creates a whole bunch of gatekeepers on the internet, which used to be a place that was wide open and anybody could just, if you had an IP address, you could host a website. And I, I think it's sad that these browsers are all, you know, the, the push for, we aren't even going to display a page unless it is encrypted is I, I think made the web a lot less open. Well, it did. But that's it not made, what this story is. No, because well, it made no sense. And that's, we've, talked about that in the just looking at something like the grumpy old ben's website which is everything on it is public information we want it to be public there's no reason even if it's an infinitesimal amount yeah. of encrypting well, power we, we we want it it's public information there's nothing private about it and it is it doesn't require it doesn't require any kind of obfuscation and it doesn't require any kind of authentication uh, because i could see the admin panel at a WordPress site absolutely would require some kind of encryption. Yes. But, but downloading the you know, one way download read only interaction with a website where you're just getting public content should not require this. But unfortunately we've all been pushed into this thought that if, you know, if, if you're not downloading a, a static fave icon, by HTTPS, then somehow it's insecure. Um, I mean, maybe it is. Apparently, people are storing code in fave icons these days, but that's right. That's a separate story entirely. Credit card skimmers. That's what you have to do. And I will say the plugin for WordPress that lets you change where the admin panel is. So rather than your website slash admin that lets you change that to anything has reduced the number of issues I've had with WordPress sites immensely. Oh, no it's it's a form of security through obscurity which is not a security wall but boy does it reduce the yes changing things to non-defaults certainly is is a useful step for security in depth because it reduces the number of attacks people are not you know when people are going out and and looking for the default admin panel you're like well that that that's just port scanning that's just phishing but they're not getting anything so we're good right that doesn't exist so they go hey okay i'll go to the next one yeah. Um, so the Let's Encrypt certificate was when when Let's Encrypt was becoming a big thing. This was in 2015, 2016. Um, they wanted to hit the ground running. Now, they they have been self-signing their own certificates, uh, which is called ISRG root X1. Um, and they've been doing that that since they started. However, when you start a brand new company, your root cert is usually not installed in browsers, operating systems, etc. Now, the the ISRG root X1 has been accepted by Android, by iOS, by Windows, um, pretty much you know, pretty much all the operating systems, except and, and all the browsers, except the uh, Let's Encrypt root cert since 2018. So, if you have had a certificate upgrade since 2018. You don't have to worry about this. That includes any operating system that auto updates, et cetera. Um, however, because they wanted to hit the ground running, they didn't want to spend three years trying to convince people when, that they were a thing while nobody could use their certificates because there was no root. Um, early on, they ended up uh, dual signing all of their certificates to use uh, the DST root X3 from Identitrust or Identrust or whatever. Um, that certificate is expiring on 
in September of next year. So there's a little bit of time. But that certificate is the one that was accepted for every every Let's Encrypt site that your device that 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 can be drawn to that certificate. Um it is what am I saying? It's gonna go away. Um, yeah, that's the problem. So it, effectively the result of this, and I'm I'm trying to get more technical than maybe necessary, uh, is that if you do not have ISRG root X1 uh, on your device as a root certificate, then every site that uses Let's Encrypt, which by the way is a lot of them, um, well, yeah, this is, is what happens working in September. Yeah, when this is like, oh, we'll give you a free SSL certificate. Who didn't think that free might equal a problem at some point? Well, I, I, it, this isn't necessarily mean that free is a problem. It just means that that at this point, half the fucking internet uses Let's Encrypt certificates or something like it. And that means, and I mean, this isn't a problem that is inherent to the certificate uh, system. And, and in fact, it, it is a by design problem, which is certificates expire, which means that websites will expire if you are not constantly updating things. Um, again, I think this is a problem because it means that as soon as somebody stops actively maintaining a website, it is a guarantee that that website will eventually vanish from our collective history. And very few people are archiving things at this point. And, you know, one of the few people like archive.org who is archiving things, that's great, but they're apparently the only one. And now they're now, now their integrity is suspect now that they're starting to label things. So I, I feel like Every single time that a website goes offline for good, um, we lose that part of our collective history because it was never written down. And the moment somebody powers down the server and shreds the hard drive, it's gone. This is even worse than than before the Internet, because at least back then people would write things down on dead trees. And and at least, you know, nobody very few people were going out and intentionally burning it. They would just leave it in a storeroom indefinitely. Well. Hard drives don't work like that. They go away without active maintenance. So long rant short, um, sites on the internet now are designed because everything has to use HTTPS. They are designed. There will always be an expiration date for everything that is not being actively maintained. So yeah, as every site on says, the internet. The result is if you have an old Android insecure phone, it will still be old and insecure yes. after okay. this. <laughs> you're, you're, yes, you're, you're jumping to the end because I'm rambling too much. Um, what this affects is versions of Android seven point before seven point one one. The the, uh, the which, golden days. Yeah, kind of. I I actually checked my phone. My my Galaxy S eight comes with Android eight point Um, so I'm fine, and my phone is three and a half years old. But seven point one one wasn't that long ago, and if you've not taken an Android update, uh, effectively what this means is you know it, and. And and the reason I bring this up is is uh, OTG. A number of a lot of our audience is is wisely going to older devices because they have less tracking, less connectivity. Just be careful because if you have an older Android phone, you are going to lose access to a significant chunk of the internet next September. Now, the one other thing I'll pull out is the workaround. Is um, if you run something like Chrome or any of the things that were built into your operating system, it's probably using the OS list of root certs, and those are what's going to break. Um, 
if you install Firefox mobile or, or better yet, one of the variants of it that has some of the Mozilla tracking taken out, um, Firefox actually comes with its own certificate list. So as long as that's updated, you're still good. And you want to be good. You don't want to be you on the naughty list when Santa's coming. Yeah. You, you don't want to be creative and vindictive. <laughs> no, you? you're wait. I thought you do. Just not, uh, well, just not during the holiday season. Do or do not. There's no try. Yeah. And with the uh, when you were talking about the, the password manager, there made me think of this story, which was just posted from uh, bleeping computer MetaMask, a new phishing scheme, which I thought was great because this targeted a crypto wallet, which exists in the browser, which I mean, again, if you're going to be investing in cryptocurrency, I mean, maybe you want to do some very small things in order to protect that. I mean, I know people give us crap for using the Coinbase system, but I feel pretty good as Coinbase as a company and it makes things easy for us. I understand getting a physical wallet would actually be a little bit better. And I've been looking at those, but those I can carry be, around a physical wallet whenever I leave the house for your crypto. There's oh. a, there's a few different companies that make them, but in this case, the phishing scam was hitting people that used a uh, particular cryptocurrency wallet, the MetaMask cryptocurrency wallet. They took out Google ads, which targeted these people. So one, I think this is great because we were talking about advertising and how evil it is. And you don't know like what people are clicking on all this. The MetaMask has a community of more than a million users, it says. The site offers Ethereum crypto, the wallet in the browser via a browser extension. And again, this is where I would have been questioning it to begin with. Yeah, yeah. Red flag popping up right there. Yes. It says, although it is unclear how many users fell for the scam, some say they ended up with empty wallets after clicking on a fraudulent search ad that was being promoted at the MetaMask site. So the phishing scam, it's still active. The domain is constantly changing, which is always good. And uh, basically what happened was people clicked on this and it goes to a page. Oh, first time in the MetaMask. uh, And it says, uh, yes, let's get started. So if you're looking to just create a wallet, that button would actually take you back to the regular MetaMask site to set it up. But if you clicked on the no, I already have an opening phrase, which is one thing I've already learned about oh. these wallets you know and, and both the software it's and like, the, the hardware ones do you, yes do you have you already have a password please type it yes do you have the opening phrase and it's like use your 12 word secret phrase so they gave the secret phrase which oh my of course immediately gave access you know there was one guy and I, I mean i feel sorry for him um his name's decon i mean with the maybe he should have been smarter um that somebody clipped here on i'm guessing twitter I lost nearly 30,000 USD. All my coins lost. I so trust of Google search. How could Google let this link be sponsored? Like, okay, you're a moron. So, that I mean, the, the, the cost is a little steep, but you, you trusted Google. <laughs> yes, $30,000 gone. I mean, crypto wallets, that's the one thing. What, that's, that still scares me about crypto, which is if you make a mistake there, with crypto. There's no FDIC. And there's no coming back if you make a mistake. So if I accidentally yeah. you know, send $30,000 to Anthony Bemrose instead of Ryan Bemrose, there's no backsies. It's just like, thanks. See you later. Well, 
I, I know where he lives. Well, that's true. Bad example. <laughs> you, you'd show up with a chainsaw and uh, and a request for your funds back. No, no, he he knows how to handle chainsaws. Those don't frighten him. I would have to get <laughs> a little bit more creative and vindictive about that. But I mean, the reality here is they tell you, and again, I don't have a hardware wallet. I've never set up one of these uh, series of key phrases, but I've read enough and researched these hardware wallets enough to where it's like, well, you're going to get, you know, I thought it was maybe 18 words. They said 12 words here. But they could be diff- different for differing systems, which is you need to keep these 12 words in a secure place. They even sell little things where you can, you know, etch them into a little piece of metal, then take them into your bank, you know, safe <laughs> deposit box because if your if your hardware wallet is lost, stolen, or destroyed, the only way you're getting at your funds is with that list of words in the correct order. So oh, yeah. it's I, very I important. mean that's that's there there are at any, you know, estimates of uh hundreds of thousands of bitcoins that are lost forever simply because the wallet was the digital wallet was deleted from the hard drive yeah it's it's just just those coins do not exist anymore they're gone because they can never you know they're they're theoretically on the blockchain but they literally can never be retrieved right they can't be accessed and 12 is typical harv hat says and yeah i mean somebody thirty thousand in a browser extension wallet believe it or not but I don't even know if it was just that, because if any any type of wallet, if you're dumb enough to click on an ad and, and for whatever reason, then think this is the, you know, your app or whatever that you store the stuff in and give access to the to the list of words that everybody's very clear about. Never give anybody this list of words. Never type this yeah. into anything ever unless you're sure that this is your device that you're typing it into. Then uh, and, and, and I, I mean. I I would almost be like, okay, if you're ever going to type this in, unplug your shit first. Yeah. Just, like just unplug the internet. You're done. You don't want to uh you don't want to make that mistake. And they showed like yeah. the actual site side by side with the legit site, and they did a really good job. I mean, it was uh, you know, pretty much a mirror image except for the button. It said uh download now instead of install now. Otherwise it was the same exact you know, website look. So I can understand like if somebody's normal you know if you're used to going to this website already you know clicking the link you're like oh yeah i've seen this website so cool and i know it's real but not i mean okay it's it's tragic when somebody loses like that but at the same time um welcome to life doing stupid things carries a cost yes blitz says having an online wallet is as stupid as having iot voting machines (laughs) yeah i I think that's quite possible yeah yes Uh, you know, I'm I'm thinking back to what did people do before the internet, and and there were certainly people who would carry around their entire uh, fortune. You know, and I'm thinking in particular before banks per se. Um, you know, somebody would carry around thirty thousand equivalent in cash money on their person, and if they got robbed, then same thing. Congratulations, you just don't have it anymore. That's yeah. how this works. That it shit happens. Um, however, I will say this is a, another, another piece in the mounting pile of evidence that ad blocking is not just for annoyances. It is actually a security feature. Yes, it absolutely is. Which again is why I'm digging this Winston device. And I know we keep teasing it. So Friday, I'll give a full rundown of this thing because I've tried it, you know, hooked up just to one computer and it seemed to work. 
now i'm got it on the whole network since uh yesterday and i have had no issues which is a good point uh the only downside is it seems like and this is a limitation of the hardware it seems like it's limited to a 500 megabit connection so it's not really pulling the full the full gig down but that's okay for most people i don't think have gigabit connections or i'm guessing they'll eventually up the hardware in these things and i really feel where the sweet spot is for me on this is on a secondary network at the house but we'll we'll go into that cuz there there are a bunch of lists there are a bunch of things you can subscribe to which blocks you know and and ever amassing the third parties that are putting these lists together of these things that they you know you want to block it makes it way easier than it used to be where you were like oh how do i and then you you remember like in the original ad blockers we had to like go in and update them it's like now everything just works yeah it's it's nice when when everything just works but we do have it is nice when everything works yeah and it's nice that we do have a couple of people to thank as experts on today's show which is which is the you know the little brother the monday show usually the forgotten show just friday you know it gets all the gets all the accolades it's the most famous day when it comes to people putting it in their passwords so the you know the little monday show holds in but we did get some mail from from sergeant fred who still likes to keep the post office in business which i mean i can understand we want the post office to still be around he says, uh, Darren and Ryan just heard your, the latest episode of the 2030 podcast being broadcast on the No Agenda stream. Thanks. And immediately wanted to send a belated Thanksgiving donation of appreciation on behalf of myself and my co-host, Matt Cox of uh, Brunch. What does it say? Brunch? And, and I, I, I want everybody to know that I absolutely encourage this. If, if you have a podcast out there and you want uh, a little bit of payola, go ahead and, and feel free to become an expert. Oh, wait. You are not above payola is what you're saying. Why, why would I be? Why would I be right? This is, there's, uh, there's no FCC in podcasting. That let's see, let's see podcasting. There's no, there is no F in podcasting, but there is a C, but not, not a CC though. So you're right. Okay. Um, he says, on behalf of him and his co-host, Matt Cox of Brunch with the Brits in that show. So the, I guess Matt has another show called Brunch with the Brits. I mean, I'm guessing maybe he wants that on the No Agenda stream, too. But that would, of course, be between you and Ryan and whatever you work out. He says, you guys provide value. And we both, with both your tech talk deconstruction and your political reality deconstruction. I mean, do we, do we deconstruct political reality? I guess we do. Keep up the great work as we are both promoting your show for all of our audiences. And we appreciate that. Sergeant Fred, he says, airborne all the way in the morning, Sergeant Fred. So thank you, Sergeant Fred. And I mean, I've heard the 2030 podcast. I've never heard brunch with Brits. I guess we got to look that one up. So many good podcasts out there in so little time, which is why it's good. That's, you know, Sir Matthew stopped at episode three. And we also have. 10 bucks coming in today from our buddy lavish who's in the troll room how you doing lavish he just says merry christmas you filthy animals so that was that was kind and heartfelt he's got to be talking to you because my cats are clean well they clean themselves that's you you went the self-cleaning route there i mean dogs you got to wash but you know cats just take care of themselves yes and and if you think that cats are entirely self-cleaning then you you really don't 
smelled a muffin. <laughs> I've never had it. I've cats, never had a cat. There cat, you go. Cats need cats do need baths. <laughs> but do they okay? Yes. Who, do you dunk them in the water? Who does this? Uh, the wife do well, this? Well, that depends uh, on how much I want the water to turn red when I bleed. <laughs> yes, because they're not going to be happy with you. And do they remember? No, no. Dunking is not usually ideal. Um, is slowly easing them into the warm water, making sure that they have lots of petting and rubbing. That's that's how you keep the claws from coming out. I mean, it's not like they get back at you like ten minutes later when you think everything's good. Well, the problem is they know where I sleep. Yeah. And they, I mean, these, there was a guy, there was a video online, couldn't figure out why he was having trouble breathing at night. And it's because his cat was going up and sitting on his head. <laughs> See, you need those video yeah. cameras to, to get proof that, of these that's things. How you, that's how you wake up suffocated. Yes. If you wake up at all. I mean, you never know. So, yes. Thank you, Sergeant Fred and Lavish for supporting the grumpiest podcast in the universe. And we do the show on the value for value model. Which means we put the shows out there. They're free, not behind any paywall. We don't even ask for your information like the evil Joe Rogan does. You can just listen to these shows in your favorite podcast app. All you got to do is search for Grumpy Old Ben's. You'll find it in most podcast apps. And if your podcast app really sucks and you can't do that, you can go to grumpyoldbens.com and get the RSS feed direct and put that into the app so you get access to each and every one of the Grumpy Old Ben's episodes as they are released and we do the value thing we give you the value of the show if you're listening if you got anything out of that if you just went and changed your password because you're like oh gee i'm using ryan123 as the password then you got some value figure out what that's worth you go to grumpyoldbenz.com click one of those donate buttons use the qr code for bitcoin or as sergeant fred did use the p.o box address and send something in the snail mail just no white powder please well, if it's a white powder, just make sure it's the fun white powder. The, which 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 Wait. of the white powders is the fun white powder? I don't know. What, what what's your opinion on anthrax? <laughs> Not a lot cocaine? of fun. Yeah, uh, cocaine more fun than anthrax. I've never tried either, <laughs> but I would probably rather have my heart explode than what happens to you when you take anthrax, which is oh, your heart explodes. <laughs> okay, then it's an equal uh, opportunity thing, I suppose. That's what I said. The, no, really, the, the question is whether or not it grows back. I, I, I'm i not sure. Yeah. And we see we say Sir Matthew and he should have stopped. And we're glad at three. And then he comes into the troll room. So it's like kind of like Beetlejuice. You say things on the no agenda stream and people come running. I you you, you know that that mentioning. Yeah. Mentioning maps with Matt is a Sir Matthew summoning spell. We know that. Yes. Arsenic can be a white powder, says Fletcher. And I don't know how he knows that. Matthew I, says, Stop. You, you know, believe it or not, most chemicals can be turned into. Oh, yeah. Karma King is on, on top of this. Most chemicals can be turned into a white powder. You just desiccate them. And most of them don't have color and you grind it up fine enough. It reflects light. Yeah. And of course, thank you for listening, Sir Matthew. Listening live on the no agenda stream dot com Mondays, Fridays, noon Eastern. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we, we try to avoid all the bad topics today. We tried to avoid the the election, which is still going on. We didn't talk about Rudy getting his COVID and how people are who he went out without a mask. Um, but there's there's been a decent amount of tech stories coming out, which is at least good. I mean, the Apple well, there's, actually there's been a non-zero number, yeah, yeah. Apple actually made some news that their new chips, they believe they're the next round of these, and they just released. I think they're what called the M1, which was in their latest laptops and stuff which people were like oh well this is pretty decent you know they're moving away from yeah. the intel again the new ones they're about to come out with allegedly are faster than the fastest intel chips which is going to put apple into a very interesting category again 
Oh, there, there's some really cool stuff with that chip coming out and it it's going to definitely launch Apple into a, a new realm of performance, which is going to make, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. The Macs have been declining in popularity for a while as everybody moves to mobile and, and replaces their laptops and desktops, but, but there's still a lot of people out there and, and the new line of Macs, you know, don't, don't get the first version because first versions of everything are always a little bit glitchy. Something is not going to work right. But once they get all of this settled down, it's, it's going to be a huge boon for Apple and a problem. Uh, but by the way, I, I actually had this in my notes for a couple of weeks, a while back. And then I realized that we're not twit. And so I <laughs> didn't bring it to the show. Well, that's but, also why you're not tubing during the show. And, uh, you know, there's a whole lot of criteria to stay away speak from, for yourself from being Twitter. Or maybe you're supposed to. I don't know. Whatever Leo does, he can do it now because nobody's in studio and we would have to do video and we would have to plaster some company's name on the front of the desk like that is worthy of advertising. But the Apple hardware, I mean, the last laptop I bought, which I have not been happy with, really since I got it, which was the Dell XPS 15, the one that I had previous, which I got like in 2009. So it lasted a nice damn long time was the current MacBook Pro back in 2009. And I really enjoyed the Apple laptop, especially because you could put Windows on it. So if you had to run Windows programs, you could do so. And I did it just as well as any other laptop. And you had the bonus of you could run the software that was available for the Mac. And I used their music software and some other things that just worked really well. And back then you could get audio hijack pro, which was you know, now the stuff that the Motu makes easy for me here to do the podcast live and stream. You had to have something like audio hijack pro back then. And windows had nothing that worked as easily. So there was a reason to go with the Apple. And I would have, if the price wasn't insane, when I bought the Dell and I, you know what, I probably should have spent the extra 800 or thousand bucks more, whatever it was for the Apple, because I haven't been happy with the Dell, but it was that much more to where I was like, I prefer your product. I'm okay with spending a little bit more, but it seemed excessively more for what you got. And I think Apple, if they're going to start and coming out with the fastest, biggest, baddest chip, well, then they can price that and get it. And, and and that's pretty much the the number one complaint I've always had against Apple. Well, okay, the number one complaint I've always had against Apple is that was the at least in the Steve Jobs era where they would build something and then say, "This is what you want. These aren't the droids you're looking for. Right. Pay no attention to you know it, it discard everything that you may have thought you wanted because this is the only thing you need." And then the the one size fits all mentality, which worked great as long as you put up with. Steve Jobs reality distortion and adjusted your requirements to be exactly what the magnet. Now it, it was a very powerful reality distortion field. And most people who got into the Apple ecosystem were totally able to self convince that what Apple had produced was exactly what they wanted, but being more resistant to bullshit than the average person, it never worked for me. But well, yeah, the remember- other problem with Apple is always that they just too damned expensive. Yes, expensive. I remember when Kevin Rose went to the MacBook and that was when Dignation was a thing. I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to check this out because he obviously knows what he's talking about. Obviously, he had the cash. So that wasn't a problem. But that was still back in the timeline of, well, you know, Apple really doesn't have you don't even need antivirus because Apple doesn't have viruses. Well, it's because nobody was writing them for you yet. 
<laughs> that change that changed pretty damn quick. I just, I just pulled up my notes where I actually had this story. It was in uh, the notes that I have for show one eleven, and uh, let's see uh, it, things that I wrote down. Uh, the chips are all sixty four bit ARM, um, which means they're actually abandoning x eighty six entirely. Um, the Air is starting at a thousand dollars, which is uh, a pretty substandard machine. You got to go up to thirteen to fifteen hundred before you get anything useful. Um, but they are—they have a massive cost savings per chip, which could or may or may not result in the prices going down. Um, you can—you can easily go up to two K when you finally get enough RAM and storage to do what what you and I would do on a desktop. And then the last line in my notes is, "But who cares? We're not twit." <laughs> you're even doing this even when you're not doing the show you're adding snarky comments oh my notes are full of snarky comments of course this is why they come so easily i I write some of these ahead of time just to make sure i have enough yeah now this is for stuff that they haven't even come out with yet that this latest story was they said they could arrive as soon as next year they're going to be testing chips that have as many as 32 high performance cores high-end desktops are expected later in 2021 and a new Mac Pro that's half the size of the current one planned by 2022. They're working on increased graphics and all of this, but it is the the CPU is the most interesting thing to me that they're going to an internally designed chip. And you're right, they're moving away definitely from the the Intel stuff. They're going in their own direction, which there's I mean, currently we know AMD and Intel have been slugging it out trying to be the top dog when it comes to the cpus if apple can actually get themselves as their own entity into this thing it does make it interesting to under to try to figure out where everything's going to go because when it's only two you know it's kind of like well you just have to be as good as this one more competition usually good for both the performance of the stuff and for the pricing uh, and this this move transforms Apple in in the chip making space. It transforms Apple from uh, the you know for a while they were the most lucrative OEM that any of them. Yeah, everybody was courting Apple like use our chips, use our chips. Right, and it immediately turns them from a lucrative OEM into the number three competitor and probably pushing real close on on number two because I I don't know what. You know what Apple sales are compared to AMD's, but um, I mean th- this is a threat. Yes. This is a real problem for the chip makers. Yeah, because Apple's going from "we're buying all your stuff, we're buying all your stuff" to "we're competing with you now." <laughs> that's uh, that's that's a wake up call, I think, because Apple is you know it's not a huge market, but it's quite a large market, and it is the it's on the boutique side of things. Let's be honest. A lot of people can buy cheap windows laptops and you know, that is your generic, right? But the Apple, all of their stuff is definitely it's high end boutique that if you're going to be able to get the performance and have, you know, the fancy name and the little light up Apple on the front that everybody likes, it's gonna, it's going to be interesting to watch. There's no question about it because their products always work. Well, the biggest problem I've always had with Apple, like you said, way too expensive i don't see that changing here but if you're able to show me a laptop that is way more expensive than the windows version but you go but hey it's 25 percent faster that makes a difference 
It makes a difference. I, I mean, I'm, I'm operating on hardware that's five years old. So no, I'm, and that's I'm what pretty your wife sure I'm outside about. The, I, I'm pretty sure. Well, no, in that case, I'm operating on hardware that's over 40 years old. And, <laughs> and she definitely is complaining, but, like but get, get that's neither here nor there. Yeah. That none of your business. Get him up thank on the you lifts. stay out of my business. Needs a good lubrication, uh, maybe a tire <laughs> rotation. Uh, we'll, we get but, it taken care of. You know, a- Apple. Apple has always nailed the 80% case. And if your needs are in the most common 80%, then it is, it is a solution that is just turnkey and it just works. And one of the things that I've learned about myself is that I always push myself out of that 80% because that 80% is boring. And the kind of things that I want to do are the kind of things no one else is doing. And frankly, Apple sucks balls at doing the kind of things that Steve Jobs doesn't tell you that you want to do. Uh, let's see. Time code one hour, 48 minutes. Okay. Apple sucks yeah, balls. Yeah, okay. That is, that is the, that is the cold opener. Congratulations. Oh, I mean, we yeah, rarely, wait, you mean I got it again? We, Who knew? We, we rarely that hardly ever happens. I know. I know. Well, you're always the one that says the most interesting stuff that people. <laughs> interesting. Least, yeah. Interesting. The most quizzical stuff that people are going to hear and be like, where does like, that come what, in? What? Right. Exactly. Well, okay. Yeah. But that, that one, you know, I thought the point of the cold opener was to, to intrigue people and make them want to listen to the show. And if you cold open with just Apple sucks balls, then the people are going to be like, oh, these guys are just retarded. They're some kind of Windows lovers. Fuck them. And I won't want to listen to the show. I think it's going to backfire. Maybe. You never know. But I could use that as the cold opener now, too. So that's just as good. <laughs> and I, 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 I'm here all week. <laughs> and honestly, I mean, I, I thought I've explained this before, but uh, I don't normally keep any notes. I don't do any marks on the thing during the show. So usually the cold opener comes to taking the audio file, clicking a random point and pressing play and, and dropping a needle. Yes, that's it. And it is very much randomized more than anything else. We don't, we're not that high tech yet. Maybe we can eventually get there, but uh, we, we're not quite so, no agenda. We don't sit afterwards and talk about, you know, the show names. We don't pick any show art. I mean, mainly because nobody does show art for us. I mean, that was the one thing the guy from uh, the no agenda art generator who started making updates like right before COVID started. And he's like, oh, this will be done by the next show. And then it'll be I've added something. So every show on the network could have their own thing where people could submit art. And then he disappeared for like six months plus now. Not that anybody wants to do grumpy old Ben's art, but it's a possibility. To, I, I, uh, I welcome people submitting grumpy old Ben's art. Yeah. I mean, if you want to do it, I mean, since we we're not on the no agenda art generator, I mean, I mean, you could use the no agenda art generator. I mean, they may eventually question. I, why. Honestly, people, people <laughs> could submit grumpy old Ben's art to the no agenda art generator. And John and Adam would probably scratch their head and be like, why? But they won't pick it. So who right. cares? And then we'll, I mean, it's an archive of art. Go. Yes. Yes. Do your thing. I'm yeah. fine with it. It is. Yeah. It <laughs> is. My support. Exactly. And it'll confuse the hell out of John, who doesn't listen to anything on the sh- on the stream. He's like, watch this grumpy old Ben stuff, huh? I, I don't know. He's like, these, these people, they aren't nearly as clever or what, what, what was it? We are neither as charming or nor charming. clever as we think we are. And it's true. We should get Sir Chris to say that because that would be a good bumper yeah. to run like between the shows. Neither one of them is all that old. 
right. That's JCD. <laughs> oh, I mean, again, just trying to find fault in what we sent through. Well, we need to send another donation, I guess, in so we can have some more, uh, we, some more no agenda love, bring some more people over. We need all of the producers, all of the experts to hit a few more people in the mouth. I mean, the, again, I'm always happy, usually going over to, <laughs> okay, did a cat just get in your mouth? Going over to the uh, podcast addict <laughs> and seeing the numbers going up and up and up until they start going down. I'm feeling good, although I don't think a lot of people necessarily delete things off a of podcast addict. They just stop, you know, downloading and listening to the show. But overall, more That's people fine. are subscribing. Hey, you know, it, as long as those numbers go up, more marketing dollars for us. I mean, hey, the, those sweet ad dollars. We could, you know, we could double the ad dollars if we could just get more people to subscribe. We could raise the ad dollars infinitesimally. If we get one advertiser at like a dollar, so I have a couple more stories. I've got one on a, a company in New Jersey called Volan technology, who is going full Orwell surveillance. That one's exciting. Um, and, uh, a, uh, WordPress, uh, setup, uh, program or script that, that helps you with self-hosting WordPress sites has decided to add MailChimp to its default ban list. Um, because nice. MailChimp has gone full woke. But you know what? After last show, I'm starting to learn my lesson that maybe we just, uh, I'm, I'm looking at the time going, I don't know. You know, we, you, you, you gave me some shit last, uh, after the show about how, you know, you kept bringing more stories and, and I listened to it after New Agenda yesterday and went, I, okay, yeah, we've done enough show. Wait, there's another story. <laughs> Wait, no, we've done enough. Sh- there's enough, and there were like three more stories after we had already done a full show. And I'm like, why? Why did I do this? And I know why I did this. I've had way too much shit in my notes. Did you? Did you hear the point at right about the two hour mark where I'm like, all oh, right, and that's and you're like, wait, I got another story. Yes, I did. <laughs> but I, I heard it only on on the replay. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. This is the value that we are providing of great tech stories what's going on in the world we uh we give it our own special spin and uh, now i want to hear about the company in new jersey though what do they do you're not gonna make people Uh, wait till friday for that okay well do you you want me to i can go through it um in particular uh wickliffe ohio has has piloted this they they um their school district has piloted a uh tracking system created by Volan Technology of New Jersey, which issues to every student and staff Bluetooth-enabled ID badges and fobs to track their location within the school. Um, it uses GPS to make sure, you know, they say, by the way, um, quote, quote, there is no concern about privacy because o- the only time that they are tracking is when the students are in the building and only when they're wearing their badge. Um, which by the way, if they're using GPS to geofence, then that actually means that the GPS is on 24 seven just to find out if it's within the school. So I kind of call that tracking. So yeah, don't get the fuck out. You don't get why they need the GPS. If it's a, if it's a fob in the well, building, they use the GPS to, to track whether or not you're in the school, I guess, and well, to, and to decide whether or not to track you. Well, I mean, they, they can't have to just, track you in order to determine if you're in the location that they're supposed to track you. We must track you to feel to figure out if we should be tracking you. Um, another fun quote, uh, just to, to show you how how or well these people are. 
Uh, because the system does not rely upon a GPS on a student's phone, it bypasses any potential privacy or security concerns. Well, yeah, I wouldn't want this tied to their phone. That's for no, damn yeah, sure. It, it bypasses the usual privacy and security concerns. It raises a bunch of new ones, though. Yes, and who um, can read these badges and where they're, you know, if you're walking into a store, does, so, what information is the badge giving out? So the the way the system is working is it uh, the uh, Bluetooth-enabled badges will uh, connect to each other and log every time that a student comes within six feet of another student or staff, um, whenever the badge, it will, uh, it, it tracks down where you are. It has a series of sensors that need to be installed in the school facility in order to track where everyone is at the time. But by the way, it's totally okay because they say that people are only tracked by ID number and not by, uh, their name. So it's totally anonymous. Apparently, no. Um, now, one thing that I will give them, if this is true, is they say that the data, all the data that it generates is stored locally on site and not pushed out to the cloud. So at least some credit for not going all Silicon Valley and sending it out to China. Um, I, I don't know if that'll stay local, but it, it, it's it's progress. Um, yeah, this is this is creepy as fuck. <laughs> yeah, well, this is where we're going, especially in the covid age. Where, oh, look, little Jimmy, he's got COVID. So who who did he come within six feet of? Like, that's going to be the yeah. only people that are infected. Um, and know. and this is after after what they called a successful pilot program. This is being uh, rolled out in the school district in Wycliffe, Ohio, which I think is somewhere near Cleveland. I probably should have looked that up on on big maps, but whatever. I mean, this is, Um, to be fair, way better than saying you have to have a cell phone with an app on it. That's always on because then then you're definitely being tracked everywhere you go. If this is just Bluetooth and RFID, uh, then what the kids need is a little pouch to put this in that blocks any of the signals. So uh, when they're not in school, the minute they're out the door, they put this thing in a bag so nothing could read it or talk to it. If people remember to do that, I bet most of them just leave it in their pocket 24 seven where they go. And it, all it really needs is an admin uh, you know, configuration change. And uh, oh, oops, it actually uh, we, we learned that that little Timmy was found at this porn club at, at a strip club <laughs> last night. Well, better than school. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, but so, schools are closed. Uh, porn clubs open. So it's OK. Michael Betua, the founder of, of Volon Technology, had this to say about it. He, he doesn't think that it's just for schools. He says, uh, you know, will this technology stay like how airport security stayed after 9-11? Probably. We don't want to let our guard down again because there might be a future pandemic. Well, I welcome see, I to your new normal. These yeah. people want to run your lives. And I don't even understand how this is useful for the pandemic. Now, for grammar schools or whatever they're called, elementary schools now or junior highs, high schools, I could see where babysitting the, club they might want to track the students. And I'm OK with that. I mean, if you're in the school, I mean, it would be nice to know if somebody's spending like a half hour in the bathroom every day, something like that. I mean, there's some data that, you know, you're not supposed to be completely private when you're in the school building. You know, I get that. But I, the fact that they, you know, want this to keep continuing on and moving into other aspects of, of the world, where it's like always wear your ID badge. That way, when you get to a restaurant, Burger King will know that you've been vaccinated, so you'll be allowed to come right in. 
Yep. Well, fortunately, if if something any feature that prevents me from ending up in a Burger King against my will, I'm I'm all for. <laughs> See, this could be good. Tracking can be your friend. Uh, I tell you, Orwell, or Orwellian, the nightmare, or is it the great utopia that everybody's been hoping for? I mean, Joe, it's it's the great reset. They're building back better. They're building back better. Joe's going to have a mask mandate for 100 days after he's inaugurated, although he's already said he knows he can't force anybody to wear a mask mandate. So it's really no different than the mask mandate we have now. But he's still going to have a 100 day one after he's inaugurated, although he doesn't even know what the state of the world's going to be like. On the day he's inaugurated, allegedly, if he is, because we haven't gotten to the point yet where he's the president elect, even though everybody's still calling him the president elect until that is official. You're not actually the president elect, Joe. But if you are, I mean, I get it. You got Dr. Fauci. He's very trustworthy. I think, I think right now he's the president defect. He's the president defect of the elect. And we'll have much, much more to talk about when we return on friday but with that said thank you for listening live to everybody who's listening in the noagenastream.com troll room thanks to everybody who's listening to this show recorded on their favorite podcast app we're going to be adding some new features you know the transcript all that kind of stuff and uh, where you can actually kick back some value in the podcast app of your choice that's coming too. interesting stuff don't know how long it's going to take to get that thing up and running but knowing adam curry the podfather Watching how quick this podcast 2.0 thing went from a crazy idea to uh, like three or four really cool things already being implemented and a roadmap that is they're just flying. They're just flying down this road, Dave. Uh, and he's yeah, doing- they, they don't seem to understand that the, the way software development is supposed to work is is with a lot more delays and process and meetings. And they're just. They're just doing the work. Yeah, they got comic strip blogger doing the work, too. I mean, whoo, that guy is he's doing his thing. And we always appreciate he's always doing work. It might not be useful work and it might not be work anyone cares about, but he's always doing it. And we always appreciate comic strip blogger. Go to comic strip dot com and check out all of his latest doodles. And that'll keep you busy until Friday when we return. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac where it's almost Christmas, but is it really? Uh, it, it is. It is, in fact. And from America's left coast, where we're coming up with new and creative and vindictive ways to avoid Big Brother, I'm Ryan Bemrose. What about Little Sister? She's hot.